Well, if you'll open your Bible this morning to the book of Proverbs, I want to talk to you today about anger. And I know that is something that nobody here ever struggles with. And nobody here ever loses their cool or says something they regret. But there may be one person watching online today who struggles with this. And so maybe this sermon is just for you. Anger. Now, last week I came across what is called the anger quiz that I found very interesting. It's from Grace Point Wellness. And what they had were 25 true-false statements. And I read over those and tried to kind of whittle it down to a more manageable number for our purposes today. And so what I want to do is to give you the anger quiz. And I'm going to read 10 statements and you can answer true or false. And if you answer true, that means that you sometimes struggle with anger, okay? And so you can kind of keep score in your head or if you've got a pen and a bulletin there, you can just kind of write down true or false at the end of one of these. Statement number one, I don't show my anger about everything that makes me mad. But when I do, look out. Now, that's true or false for you. What would you say? I still get angry when I, number two, I still get angry when I think of the bad things people did to me in the past. Number three, I fly off the handle easily. Would you say true or false? Number four, I often find myself having heated arguments with the people who are closest to me. Number five, I sometimes lie awake at night and think about the things that upset me during the day. We've probably all done that. Something happened during the day. Somebody says something. We get in bed at night. We look up at the ceiling, and uh, we're thinking about that. And we go to bed kind of with that little grudge in our heart. So probably most of us could say true to that. Number six, I've had trouble on the job because of my temper. Number seven, when, I, when riled up, I often blurt out things I later regret saying. Number eight, when someone says or does something that upsets me, I don't usually say anything at the time. But later on, I spend a lot of time thinking about the cutting replies that I could and should have made. Now, I've, I've, be, I've done that before. I've been in a setting, somebody says something, I don't say anything, driving home, I say, I should have said this, I could have said that. So I have to plead guilty on number eight. There have been times I've done that. Number nine, I find it very hard to forgive someone who has done me wrong. Well, sometimes that is hard. Depends what they did. Number 10, people really irritate me when they don't behave the way they should or when they act like they don't have the good sense of a head of lettuce. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but when you're dealing with somebody, they're just not very smart, and that can be irritating to us sometimes. That can make, it, make us angry. Well, how did you do on the test? Most of us, if we're honest, we said true on at least two or three of those things. There have been times when we have done that. And so the title of the message today is simply this. Are you an angry person? As you think about your own demeanor, your own personality, would you say that you're an angry person? Maybe the way to get that question answered more honestly and objectively is to turn to the person next to you and ask them if they think that you're an angry person, but I don't want you to do that because that might cause a problem in here this morning. But sometimes we all struggle with anger. Now, we're going to look at a lot of different verses today on anger because the Bible is full of this subject and many teachings on anger. But interestingly enough, God didn't just lump all the verses in the same chapter 
or in the same passage. So we're going to have to kind of move around today and look at some different passages. But before we do that, I want to define what I mean by anger. What is anger? I think we all have an idea of what that is, but what is a definition of anger? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, Mr. Webster says that anger is strong annoyance. Something happens, somebody says something, and you get annoyed by that. If you study the Greek word for that, thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S, that literally means an impulse or a desire or even your disposition. Interestingly enough, the word literally means in the Greek language, seething, raging, and boiling over. That's what the idea in Greek is for anger. It's that, that feeling, we get it. We, we know what that, what that feels like. We've all had it. And sometimes we all get that feeling. Interestingly, the Greeks considered anger to be the strongest of all the passions. Now think about that. There are many passions in life, and yet the Greeks said anger is at the top of the list. The Hebrew word for anger is very similar. It literally means to become heated. And the Hebrews, the Jewish people, would talk about burning anger. And we've all had this, where something is said, something happens, it rubs us the wrong way, and so on the inside, we begin to feel hot. We begin to boil. We can feel that blood coursing through our veins. We, maybe can, we can feel our skin getting a little bit hot. We can feel our heart rate maybe increase. Well, that's, that's anger, rage, seething, boiling over, burning hot. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today. Now, as I was preparing this message, I thought, now, how do I want to address this topic? Well, this is one of those things that a person might call me and say, John, could we have a phone conversation. I want us to talk. I want to talk to you about anger. And I want to just confess to you that sometimes I lose my cool and sometimes I blow my stack. And sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say in anger. I feel badly about it. And is anything in the Bible that could help me? And I was thinking if you and I were having that conversation, what are some things that I would say to you? And so I've jotted down seven statements. And if you follow along in the bulletin, we have them right there for you to fill in the blanks and you can do it that way. If you'd rather just listen a little more free spirited, certainly you can do it that way. But one of the things, the first thing I would say to you about anger is I would say this. You need to understand that anger is a natural impulse. It's a natural impulse, that feeling of rage and boiling coming up on the inside of you. So if you say, John, sometimes I get that. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means you're human. And everybody on the planet gets it. I don't care how much you love God how long you've been saved. It's just something that is part of the human psyche. It's just part of being human. Number two statement I would make is that while anger is certainly a natural impulse, if we're not careful, anger can be a dangerous impulse. It can be very dangerous. Now, you're in Proverbs. Go to chapter 15, and I want to show you a verse. Chapter number 15, let me let you find it. And uh, many of our verses today are in Proverbs, not all of them, but many of them are. Look in verse number 18. Now, I'm reading out of the New King James, but you can follow along whatever your translation might be. Verse 18, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention or stops contention before it gets started. Now, if you want to just read a translation that just says it straight on, the New Living Translation says it this way, a hot-tempered person starts fights. 
One of the ways you can know whether or not you have an anger problem is to ask yourself this question. Are you frequently in fights? I don't mean fist fights. I could, could mean that, but I mean verbal arguments. There's always some drama. There's always some tension. Everything's kind of on edge when you're around. Well, a hot-tempered person starts fights. It's a dangerous impulse. It's interesting. The word anger is only one letter short of being the word danger. Anger, A-N-G-E-R. You add a D to the beginning of that and you have danger, D-A-N-G-E-R. And so when you have that natural impulse, that feeling of boiling over coming up on the inside of you, that's normal and that's natural. But you need to realize if you don't deal with that, if you don't control that feeling, that anger is going to become danger and it's going to become something bad. Now, you may be saying, now, John, I just, this is, I, I just can't control my anger. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a hothead. I have a short fuse and I can't control my anger. Yes, you can. Have you ever been at home with your family and you got into a discussion and then the discussion turned into an argument and now people's voices are being raised and people are saying things that they ought not be saying and people's feelings are getting hurt and you're practically yelling and the neighbors are probably wondering what in the world's going on next door and this is happening and then the phone rings and you go to the phone and say, hello, just real calm like that. Oh, we're doing fine. We're having a great Saturday. How are y'all doing? Yes, yes. We had a nice late breakfast. We're going to a movie a little later. Everything's great over here. Now, what did you just do when you did that? You say, well, I faked it. Well, maybe so. Maybe sometimes faking it's better than just letting it continue to go out. But what you really did was you demonstrated that you can control your anger. You demonstrated that. When you got on the phone and you were calm and nice and polite, you proved you could control your anger. And so what we have to do is to learn to do that in the actual house or in the actual setting or in the actual moment when we're feeling that natural impulse on the inside. We have to control it. So what am I saying so far? Anger is natural. Anger can be dangerous. And the next thing I would say is that anger, interestingly enough, can be a learned behavior. On the one hand, it's natural. But on the other hand, you can watch somebody else who has a hot head and you can kind of learn how to express your anger. And so we have to be careful who our friends are. And I would say to the students today, you have to be careful who your role model is. Now, whoever your role model is, they're not going to be perfect. Don't put them so high on a pedestal to say if you ever mess up that you're a hypocrite and you're, no, they're human. But we still have to be careful. Go to chapter 22. I want to show you a couple of verses here uh, about the importance of being careful who our friends are. Proverbs 22 and in verse number 24. Let me let you find it. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. And so sometimes, again, especially when we're young, but it can happen at any age, we look to an athlete or maybe we look to a celebrity, or maybe we look to a politician, or to somebody who has an influence or an audience out there, and we watch that person. We, we like that person. They're a fine athlete, man. They, they score the big shot. They, they make the winning pass, and, and they're cool, and we look at them, and yet they have a bad temper. They seem to just say whatever they want to say, and we think, well, since they're my hero, if he can do it, if she can do it, that must mean that I can do it. No, we have to be very careful that we don't look up to people or get too close to people 
who have a bad temper because we could learn their ways. This is why as a parent, this, I, I was thinking about parents over the weekend as I was finishing this sermon. As a parent, you want to teach your children how to work, how to be honest, how to add, how to drive, how to treat people. But watch this. As a parent, you don't want to teach your kids how to get angry. And when they're young, you're the role model. And so you have to be careful knowing that they're watching you. So just like we don't want to associate or look up to people who have a bad temper, we ourselves want to guard ourselves in this way because people might be looking to us and we don't want to be a bad example for them. Now, the next statement I used the word some in the bulletin, but I should have used the word all, because on this one, it's not some anger, it is all anger, but let me develop this. All anger, this seething, this boiling over, this raging, it needs to be assessed and it needs to be addressed. It needs to be thoroughly assessed and it needs to be properly addressed. In other words, you need to ask yourself, now why am I feeling this impulse? Why, what is happening? Why am I mad at her? Why am I upset with him? Why, why, when I think of them, do I have this feeling? Is it that they've done something against me that I need to forgive them of? Because if I forgive them and ask God to forgive them and then ask God to bless them and then ask God to fill my heart with love for them, well, if I'm feeling loving towards somebody, I'm not going to be angry. So you have to assess it and you have to address it. Now, go to chapter number, you're in Proverbs still, go to chapter number 29. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Proverbs about anger. Because sometimes we don't assess the cause of our anger and sometimes we don't address the anger properly. Verse 11 of 29, a fool vents all his feelings but a wise man holds them back. Now, you may say, well, you know, I'm one of those people when I, I don't have a filter. I've heard people say this of themselves, almost as though it were a positive quality. I don't have a filter. I just say what I think, you know. I, I just, it's, it's kind of like when I get upset, it's just like an explosion and it's all over with. Well, it may be over with for you, but you may have hurt a lot of other people. I mean, a grenade explodes, but just because the explosion's over, that doesn't mean there's no damage to it. But some people say, well, you know, I just, I just, I'm just one of those people. I just tell it like it is. I just say what I think, and I don't worry about what anybody else thinks. If I have a feeling, I just say it. And again, they think that's a good quality. Now, I'm not allowed to call you a fool, and you're not allowed to call me a fool, but God can call us both a fool. And God says, if you vent your feelings like that, you are a fool. Because a wise person holds it in. I read that when Abraham Lincoln, who I don't, I don't think would be any argument, was the greatest president in the history of our country. I mean, God used him to abolish slavery. I mean, he was a tremendous president. And uh, Lincoln had developed a habit as president, he studied, as he was becoming president and after he became president, he studied the qualities of what he called transformational leaders. And he said he noticed that transformational leaders can control their emotions better than other people. And he wanted to be a transformational leader, and he was. And so sometimes he would be in a meeting with his cabinet, and a cabinet member would do something or say something, and it made Lincoln mad, made him angry. He felt that seething, that rage, that boiling, that heating up on the inside. Sometimes one of the generals in the army might do the same thing, and it rubbed him the wrong way, and he felt that. So he developed a habit. When he got mad, he would immediately write a letter to the person who made him mad. 
And he would say, this is what you said. This is what you've done. This is why I'm disappointed with you and you have made me angry. He wrote the full letter, but then here was Lincoln's genius. He set that letter to the side for several hours or most likely until the next day. And the next day he would read that letter after he had calmed down, after that boiling rage had subsided and he would read it and he would say, no, I'm not gonna sign that and I'm not gonna send that letter. He had learned to hold it in. Sometimes we have to hold it in. And we have to, uh, that's what it says again, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all his feelings. Listen, you can't always tell everybody everything you think. You can't. If you always tell everybody what you think, when you get finished doing that, you're gonna be at Applebee's all by yourself because nobody's gonna be your friend. And so a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man, a wise woman, a wise person holds it back. So, hey, I have to assess this, have to address this, can't always say everything I think. So that's what I'm saying. Anytime you feel that rage, assess it. What's causing this? And what is the appropriate way for me to deal with this? Now let's move on to the next thought because I want to develop this too. The next thought, what I just said, you would expect me to say. But what I'm about to say, you wouldn't expect me to say. Some anger needs to be expressed. Did you know this whole idea that all anger is wrong that, that idea is not a biblical idea. In fact, go to the New Testament book of Ephesians. I want to show you an interesting verse in Ephesians chapter number four. Because all anger is, uh, is not bad at all. Ephesians chapter four and verse 26 says this. Let me let you find it. I, I've had it marked in my Bible. Let me let you find it. Ephesians chapter four and verse 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. Say that with me. Be angry and do not sin. But notice it says, be angry. There's some things that ought to make you angry. When we see what's happening in Eastern Europe, well, that ought to make us angry. When bombs and missiles are being launched at civilians and their lives are being ended, there's something inside of us that should say, this isn't right. This isn't, this isn't how God would mean for it to be. Had Lincoln never gotten angry, we might still have slavery in our country today. I mean, it was his anger against an injustice that caused him to lead the nation to go a different way. And so anger, some anger is good. Some anger really is righteous indignation. And so what do we have to do? We have to learn to be angry, but not to sin. Not all anger is bad. And sometimes... We have to express that anger. Did you know if you have the idea, I can never really say how I feel. I can never really tell, especially like in marriage or in the family or a close friendship or work relationship. If you have the idea, I don't ever want to rock the boat. I don't want to say anything that would upset anybody. I, I don't want to, I don't want to cause anger. And so I'm feeling something's being said, something's happening. I don't think it's right. I'd like to get this off my chest and say, you know, kindly and peacefully, but I'd like to feel the freedom to say how I feel, but no, I can't say how I feel, so I'm going to just suppress this. I'm going to just push this down. And people, many people do that thinking that's the right thing, and they're trying to keep the peace. But what I've learned is this. If you try to push too much stuff down, eventually it's going to pop out. <laughs> and sometimes it comes out on a, a mild infraction. In other words, you've just been pushing this in and then somebody says something, and it just really sets you off. Whereas if you had learned how to properly express your anger to begin with, 
you wouldn't have been holding all that stuff on the inside. Not all anger is bad. And you, if you're married, if you're in a fa- with your family, with your close friends, you should feel the freedom to say how you feel, even if it's going to be not how everybody else feels. And now you have to ask God to give you wisdom when to speak and when to say quiet. But if it's something that's really a big deal to you, you have to feel the freedom to say that or else the peace that you think you're keeping is not even a real peace. It's a false peace. The only reason there's peace is because you're not being true to yourself and saying how you really feel. Now, go back a few pages in uh, the New Testament to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number three. I want to show you this in the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus is our model for everything, and we know Jesus never sinned, and yet we see times in Jesus's life where he became angry. In Mark chapter three, we read about a man who had a withered hand, some kind of a paralyzed hand, and on a particular Sabbath day in the synagogue, here was the man there with the withered hand. Well, Jesus walks in the synagogue and he sees this man. And Jesus is thinking to himself, I can heal that man of his infirmity. But he sees the religious leaders and he knows that the religious leaders would think it would be sin to heal a man on the Sabbath because they would classify that as work. And so Jesus says in verse four to these religious leaders, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And they didn't answer his question. And verse 5, when he had looked around at them, now watch this, with anger, being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and his hand was healed. But the point here is Jesus became angry when he saw people placing religious law and rituals and customs and traditions of that day above the need of a suffering human being. It made him angry. Go to John chapter 10, show you a similar situation. Jesus in this occasion was walking into the temple. I said John 10, I meant John 2, John chapter 2. And in verse number 13, it says, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. You say, well, John, what was wrong with them selling all these animals? Everybody was in Jerusalem for the Passover, and they had to have animals to offer up a sacrifice, and that's true. And the people who owned all these animals knew that they had, that the people had to buy the animals, and so they raised the prices beyond what was considered fair. And quite honestly, they were ripping the people off. And, and the people felt like, well, I've got to buy this to offer the sacrifice. And so it made Jesus angry. Look at verse 15, how he handled his anger. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And so Jesus, seeing people being ripped off in the temple, being cheated, it made him angry. But he didn't act impulsively. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't say anything rude. What did he do? He probably sat down in the chair and he got some cords and he made a whip. And it would have taken some time. You can't make a whip in five seconds. I mean, it would take time to put that whip together. So what I'm saying is Jesus wasn't acting in anger. And then when Jesus took that whip, he didn't go in the temple and start hitting the people with the whip. No, he turned over the tables and he drove them out. So Jesus, this is another thing very important. He attacked the problem, not the people. Many times we get angry and we attack the people and not the problem. If we can learn how to attack the problem and to be loving to the people and not be rude to people, then we will have come a long way. But I'm saying to you today, 
that some anger needs to be expressed. You can't just bottle all that stuff in. You have to have the freedom. Now, again, in kindness and in love and in honesty and without raising your voice, just try to be as tender as you can, but you have to be able to say what you think or else the relationship is, is not even genuine. It's phony. It's not, it's not real. Your, your heart's not going to be in it if you feel like you can't say how you really feel. Number six statement that I want to make about anger, and that is simply this. Some anger needs to be confessed. Now, Jesus got angry but he didn't sin. So he didn't have to go to his home where, where he was staying that night and say, now, Father, today I got angry in the temple. Please forgive me. No, 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 no. He didn't sin. He got angry, but he didn't sin. But sometimes we have anger, and it is sin, and we need to confess it to God. Now, go back to Ephesians, if you would, and we're back in chapter 4 again. I know we were just there, but I want to show you a verse. Verse 31, Paul is talking about anger, and he mentions six things. He's kind of the development of, of, of how anger begins and what the result of anger is. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so there's this six-step process. Anger is born, we could say. Anger is birthed. And then it goes to the other extreme. So let's look at these words. He says, let all bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is a feeling we get when somebody offends us in some way. They say something or they do something that rubs us the wrong way, and we have been offended. And so we can, as the old way would say it, we would hold a grudge. We, what they did, it just gave us a bad feeling in general toward them. And so we just kind of tuck that away and say, I remember what you said or how you acted toward me or you were dismissive of me or not respectful. We just kind of take an offense and that can become a real bitter root. But remember this, things with roots grow. Trees with roots grow. Uh, if you look at a, at a 40-year-old oak tree that may be 40 or 50 feet high, uh, th- those roots underground go out just as far as the tree goes high up in the air. So there are roots underground that you can't see. The reason that oak tree is so tall is because underneath the soil, that oak tree is going out those roots, just that roots produce fruit. Now, when we have a bitter root, what's the next thing it's gonna be? Well, the next word here is wrath. That word literally means indignation. The idea behind wrath is this. Now, somebody's offended us. Somebody's done something to us. They've said something about us. And in our minds, we don't say anything, but in our mind, here's our thought. How dare you? I cannot believe that you would say that about me. I cannot believe that you would do that against me. But we don't say it. It's wrath. It's a burning, but it's a burning on the inside that at this level is still under control. Now, what is the next word? Anger, bitterness, the root, wrath on the inside, anger. Now the burning is beginning, it's not being verbalized yet at anger, but that burning is now obvious physically. Somebody's angry and you look at them and you can see their, their veins about to just completely pop out of the side of their neck. Or you can see, man, their, their skin color is beginning to, to change a little bit or, or their, their muscles are tensing up or I can just tell now that so when, when somebody's angry, you can, you can tell it. It's a slow burn, but now it's coming on the outside. What is the next word? Clamor. See, if you don't deal with this, as you go, it just gets worse. Clamor literally means loud quarreling, raising your voice. And, uh, and that's all, that should be a sign to us. When, when the voices get raised, 
in a conversation, that should be a sign that something is not right. And the next, evil speaking, saying things you don't mean. Sometimes a person will say to another person, I hate you. Sometimes a person might say to another person, a spouse could even say this to a spouse. They might even say, I wish I had never met you. I wish you had never been born. You're the dumbest person I know. Something like that. And it's devastating to the person on the other end of that. Evil speaking. And that's what's happening. There was a bitter root, but man, it's beginning to show some bad fruit now. And then the next word, malice. Now, this is a desire to hurt somebody. This is anger out of control. Maliciousness, viciousness, maybe to hurt them physically. Maybe to say, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to set out to destroy their reputation, to destroy their life, to, ruin, to make their life as miserable as I can. It's malice. And Paul says, we have to put these things away from us. Look at verse 30. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve him? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. It grieves the Spirit of God. Verse 32 tells us how we should treat other people. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I read a tremendous quote last week by Oswald Chambers. He says, we have to be so closely connected to Jesus Christ that nothing of the old life remains. See, these words in verse 31, that should describe a person's life before they got saved. Wrath and anger and bitterness and all this stuff. But after we get saved, we're supposed to be different. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we'll never lose our temper. But it means it should be less and less. And hopefully you get to a place where we just say, you know, God has really given me a victory in that area of my life. So some anger, the way to deal with it is just confess it as sin and ask God to forgive you. And ask God to replace that anger with love in your heart. And then the seventh and final thing I would say. You still listening? Say amen. I know this is a very practical sermon. I can tell in this service the attentiveness of people. I can tell in the other service. Everybody's into this sermon because we can all relate to it. We, can, we all deal with this. It's a natural impulse. And as I said at the beginning, just because sometimes you have those feelings... That doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. That means you're human. It's what you do with those feelings. And that's why the Bible says, be angry. That's okay. That's natural. But don't sin. Handle it like Jesus did, methodically, not impulsively, not flying off the handle. Handle it like Jesus did. Now, the last statement I want to make on anger, and we'll see what happens here, but God used this point in the first service to lead several people to get saved. And I want to see what happens in this service. Sudden anger, prolonged anger, and unhealthy anger is a sign that you're not right with God. If I have that in me, it means I'm not right with God. If you have that in you, it means you are not right with God. I'm not saying that feeling. I'm saying sudden anger, flying off the handle. It ought to be like the, the dashboard on your car when it starts blinking saying service engine soon. You're driving down uh, the interstate. You think, well, the engine seems fine to me. Yeah, but you can't see what's happening under the hood. Service brakes soon. Well, the brakes seem to be working to me. Yeah, but you'd better get those at the mechanic, but you can't tell what's happening with these brakes. And so sometimes when we find ourselves sudden anger, Maybe a parent to a child. You'll never amount to anything. 
parent should never say that to a child. That could stick with the child for that child's whole life. And if, you know, you'd have to go to that child and say, I said that in anger. I'm wrong. I didn't mean it. You're going to amount to something very special. But I'm saying in in sudden anger that would cause a person to say something like that or prolonged anger, somebody just always angry or unhealthy anger. That is, you're having this feeling that's natural, but you're not dealing with it. You're just letting it fly, man. You're just saying what comes to your mind. Well, that is a sign that you're not right with God. Now, before we stop, go back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter number four. This is the first example that I know of in the Bible where somebody got angry. And who it was was Cain. Remember, Adam and Eve had two boys to start with, Cain and Abel. And God had told those boys to bring a sacrifice of worship to him. And so Cain was a farmer. He went out into the garden. He dug up some fruits and vegetables. He made a little fruit basket, and he offered that fruit to God. And God rejected his offering. Abel, on the other hand, took an animal. He sacrificed that animal. He offered that blood up to God, and God accepted his sacrifice. Evidently, God had told these boys, this is how you enter into my presence for worship. You have a blood sacrifice. Well, when God saw, when Cain saw that God had rejected his offering, but accepted his brothers, it made him angry. Look in verse number five. God did not respect Cain in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. You can control that feeling of anger. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. See, we all think, well, the big problem was Cain killed his brother. Well, that's a pretty big problem. I would agree with you on that. But the problem that led to that problem was he got angry. But the reason he got angry is because he wasn't right with God. You see, he wasn't at peace with God because God had rejected his sacrifice. Instead of trusting in the blood, he was trusting in the works of his own hands. And because of that, watch this. He was not at peace with God. He was not at peace with himself. And he was not at peace with his brother. And I'm saying to you today, sudden anger, prolonged anger, and unhealthy, undealt with anger is a sign that a person is not right with God. It doesn't necessarily mean you're not saved, but it just means you're not as close to Jesus as you ought to be. You're not abiding in him as closely as you ought to be, and too much of the old life is still remaining in you, and it needs to be purged out. And that could certainly be true of me too. Sometimes it is. And God puts his finger on an area in my life, says we've got to address this and get this right. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're not saved, but you know what? It could mean that you're not saved. And I think what happened in the first service today probably happened in this service today. I think honest people who you've, you've come to church on a Sunday morning when you didn't have to, and here you are, and there you are in your home, and you're watching, and you're listening, and you're, and you're, you're sensing the Spirit talking to you. And it may be today that as I have done an entire sermon on anger, that the Holy Spirit has made clear to you the real reason you're angry is because you're not at peace with God. And since you're not at peace with God, you're not at peace with you. And since you're not at peace with you, you're not at peace with anybody else. And so you're just a little bit angry looking for somebody to explode on. And so God says today, let's solve the real problem and get you to having a peaceful heart 
so that going forward, not that you'll be perfect. We won't be perfect till we get to heaven, but so that going forward, anger will not continue to dominate your life. Amen.